Today we're in the third and final sermon in this series from the book of Obadiah. In the earthly part, we looked at Obadiah's message as Obadiah was, was trying to comfort the people from the southern kingdom that had been taken advantage of by this neighboring nation called, called Edom. And we begin to think about how, how does that really relate to us today? I, I think when we look around the world today, we still see injustice, and most of us, there's going to be some time in our life we're going to experience some sort of injustice. And so the Lord's message through Obadiah to the people of the southern kingdom of Judah, and just as relevant to us today as it was to them then. Uh, that first part is really those first few verses really ask the question, why doesn't the Lord do something about injustice in the world? I'm sure that was what was going on in the minds of the people in Israel as they looked at how the Babylonians had carried them off and Edom had taken it as a grand opportunity to, to loot them and to, to ally with the Babylonians. They asked this question, why doesn't God intervene and do something? And of course, the answer that God gives to the prophet Obadiah is that he's just not just the Lord of Israel, but he's the Lord of all the nations. He is doing something. There's a day that everyone will give an account. The second part of that book, we looked at Edom as God condemned them for not aiding his people. And from their perspective, we, we asked that question, why don't we do something? We see people will need. The book of Obadiah is a book of hope and expectation. Hope and expectation about a future intervention from the Lord. And the Bible tells us that we're to, we're to wait on the Lord. As we begin to think about if the Lord is going to do something but it's in a distant future, and why should we wait? And how can we wait? We see things on the news taking place in, in other countries that, that don't personally affect us or impact us. It's one thing to have a little bit of patience, patience about injustices that we haven't experienced firsthand or seen, but what, what happens when it's, when it's your daughter that was raped? How do you wait? How do you take the Lord at his word when he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. How, how do we wait on him? I think the last part of the book of Obadiah, the very last thing that the Lord closes with to this prophet is that the day of the Lord is, is worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for because it's a day, first of all, of perfect justice. It's a day of justice. And for those of us that have believed and trusted in him, it's a day of, of reward. So the last part of Obadiah in verses 15 through 21 that we're looking at today, uh, the Bible speaks about this, this day of the Lord that we all will one day face. And for those of us that believe and trust, that we should all look forward to with great anticipation. So I want to invite you to stand as we read our scripture passage together. Obadiah verses 15 through 21. Here's what the Lord says through his word. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. 
And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn and consume them. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Shepherd shall possess the cities of the Negev. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Let's pray together. Father, I ask today that you help us to understand these foreign places and foreign peoples. To understand beyond the specifics what you are saying to us today. Give us the same hope in your kingdom that Obadiah had. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Obadiah's message is concerning the day of the Lord, that the day of the Lord will come upon, upon all the nations. So notice what he says in verse 15. He says, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. When you think about what, what is to come in future times, uh, the Bible consistently gives us enough information to trust God, but, but not necessarily enough information to satisfy all of our curiosities. When we look at what the scripture says and prophecies about Jesus, when Jesus came, there was plenty of information given by the prophets to be able to recognize who he was and to realize that he was the fulfillment of God's Old Testament prophecies. But yet if we read the prophecies of the Old Testament and, and we think if we only had the information that they had, we, we would not know what we know today about Jesus. And I think the same is true about the prophecies about the end times. The Lord tells us enough that we know what's coming. He tells us enough that we know what to expect. He certainly tells us enough that we know what to do. But he's not filling in every detail about how everything will take place and at what time it will take place. But instead, he refers to this as the day. In several verses of Scripture says, on that day, because it's such a significant day that a mere veiled reference is clear. On that day, that is the day of the Lord. And the Bible says here, but from Obadiah, it says the day of the Lord is, is near. It's near, verse 15. All throughout Scripture, the Bible speaks about the future work of God as being near, near. Near doesn't mean that it's going to happen soon. It means it's going to happen suddenly and certainly. It means that there's no question that the day of the Lord is going to come. We talk about the, the return of Christ and the judgment that follows thereafter. We, we refer to this idea of it being near, that it is it is imminent. The Bible talks about it in the New Testament in Mark chapter 13 about this day. It says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, means to us as well. Stay awake. So the Lord taught us that his return is imminent. The day of judgment is imminent. It is, it is near. No one knows when it will take place, but it will certainly take place. And it will certainly take place suddenly and unexpectedly. And so as Obadiah speaks to the nation of Israel that was left there in the southern kingdom of Judah, as he speaks to these people, he says to them that the day of the Lord is, is near. And notice what he says, the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. It's not just some of the nations, but, but all the nations. You see, one day, when we leave this earth, we'll all stand before God. And we don't, we don't get to pick or, even worse, invent what God we're going to stand before. It makes no difference what you believed in on this earth, whether you believed that there was a, a Buddha that you were going to see, whether you believed you were going to stand before Muhammad, the prophet. It, it makes no difference what you believed on this earth. We'll all stand before the only one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. Because he's not just the Lord of Israel or the Lord of America. He's the Lord of all the nations. And so Obadiah is saying, as they look at the injustice they've suffered from this neighboring nation of Edom, that, that one day Edom will, will give an account. And so when we look around our community and we see so much injustice, we see children that are, that are uh, abandoned and abused. We see violence. We see people who have worked hard all their life and someone random that doesn't even know them breaks into their house, beats them, and steals everything they have so they can buy a, a few more drugs for their next time. All those people one day will have to give an account to God because he's not just the Lord of the church. He's the Lord of all the nations. So this is the comforting thing about the coming of Christ. It's the comforting thing about the judgment to come is that the Lord is the Lord over all the nations. And the Bible tells us about this day that it's going to be a day of, of justice. Notice what it says in verse six, uh, 15 and 16. It says, as you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. All, all throughout Scripture, God uses uh, drinking as a metaphor for wrath. He talks about his wrath being poured out. You remember what Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Father, if there's any way, please take this cup from me. The cup that he was talking about was the cup of God's wrath that he would take this next day on the cross. And when Obadiah talks about that they shall, 
that they shall drink and drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they'd never been. He's talking about that the judgment of God is going to come upon the nation of, of Edom. And as a people group, they certainly ceased to exist. They're no longer even identifiable today. God's promise was true. And so the day of the Lord will be a day of justice, as he says. It shall be done to you, your deeds shall return on your own head. This is what the scripture says about God's justice in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I, I believe that oftentimes we see injustice in the world and, and we are infuriated because we think that people have, have gotten away with something. The reality is, is that they've only gotten away with it in this life. They've only gotten away with it for a short time. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. We've seen several instances in the past couple decades of a fraud in our culture and in our society. Think about Bernie Madoff. Ran this massive Ponzi scheme where uh, instead of actually making money, he got new investors to invest their money. He took their money and paid it out as though it was earnings to these other investors when in reality their money was gone and there were no earnings. This works fine as long as there's plenty of new investors coming in to bring in new cash. For years, years he got away with this. But it caught him in the end, didn't it? It doesn't work for forever. A few years ago, Enron, they had cooked the books for years misrepresented prophets that simply weren't there. For years, they got away with it. But in the end, it caught up to them. When we look around the world and you see people that are getting away with all kinds of injustice, I, I know Edom, as they, uh, the Bible says, they gloated over what happened to Israel. Uh, there certainly were people in Israel looking at that and saying, Lord, why don't you do something? We're... we're we're suffering, we've been carried off into exile, now they came in and looted everything we have and they sit and they gloat and they mock you and they're, they're getting away with it. And the Bible says, do not be deceived. Don't be deceived by what you see in, in the moment right around you and think that, that there's no justice. Our court system, which I think is a, is a great system, but it's imperfect. And there may be many people who have never received justice in our court system. For whatever reason. But I'm telling you that God's justice is absolutely perfect. So do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So Obadiah tells us that the day of the Lord is coming, and it's near, and it's upon all the nations. He tells us that the day of the Lord is going to be a day of separation. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, but in Mount Zion, there will be those who escape, and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. So when we think about the day of the Lord, it's not some kind of apocalyptic day when we're all going to be doomed. There's going to be many people that are going to survive the day of the Lord. There are going to be many people who are going to be rewarded on the day of the Lord. And for, for those of us that have followed and believed in Christ, we don't have anything to fear. We have something to look, to look forward to. He says, on that day, there'll be those who escape and it shall be holy and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. You see, God's people have nothing to fear about the day of the Lord. And not because we don't deserve justice, but because Christ, when he died on the cross, bore God's wrath for us. And having believed and trusted him, we received forgiveness. So that on that day, it will not be our own deeds that will come back upon us, but it will be the righteousness of Christ. The sad thing is to know that this is available to everyone, but most will not believe it, nor receive it. The day of the Lord, there's going to be a distinction made between God's people and those who have rebelled against him. The Bible says in verse 18, the house of Jacob, and of course Jacob was the, the family from which Israel had descended. He's talking about his people Israel. He says, the house of Jacob shall be a fire. The house of Joseph, jo Joseph, same, same family. The house of Joseph, a flame. And the house of Esau, that's Jacob's brother that the Edomites descended from, stubble. Verse 18 reveals to us that on the day of the Lord, there's going to be a day of separation. In Matthew Chapter 25, verse 31 through 46, the Bible gives us a pretty clear explanation of what this is going to look like. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. For him will be gathered, notice this phrase, all the nations. Same thing Obadiah said. The Lord's not gonna disjudge the few people who have believed in him, he's going to judge all the nations. And he will separate people, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? 
or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus' passage reveals that true faith in him is manifested in true love and devotion to others. He says, as you did this to the least of these, you did it to me. But then listen for those who are, will not listen. He says in verse 44, Uh, verse 41, I lost my place. Then it will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? I did not minister to you. And he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus describes this day of the Lord, this day of separation. Separation and distinction between those who have chosen to follow him, who receive a great reward, and those who have lived for themselves. And he describes what's going to take place as eternal reward and eternal punishment. When we believe the words of Christ about what, what is to come, you know, the only rational thing to do is to is to adjust our life so that on that day we will not be sent away into eternal destruction but we will be sent into eternal life I, I don't know uh, your experience with this or your perspective on the world I, I, sometimes I feel like uh, everybody around me is self-destructing and there's just nothing I can do to help them I had uh, I had two good friends this year just found out another one this week that uh, great guys love the Lord family people tremendously successful and really in about every way that somebody can be successful both of them same story the wives found somebody else had something going on the side for a long time now they're all going through divorce children are going to be raised this split custody deal it's just, it's crazy. I don't understand why we can't look ahead at everyone else and see that this is not working for anyone else and recognize where our life is going. We see people in our community that they can't work, can't pack a, pass a drug test, they become addicted, becomes debilitating on their health, they die young. Have you ever seen a drug addict become a senior adult? 
I don't know why they can't look around and see where this is heading and, 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 and recognize that they need to change and do something. I was trying to explain to somebody this week as we were talking about these behaviors. I said, you know, I, I, I really like to eat. If I was in a great buffet line and I noticed that at the end of the buffet line, everybody was getting shot in the head, I would get out of the line. I mean, does that make sense? I'd get out of the line. And when, when we come to understand that there's a day coming when, when we're going to give an account and the Lord gives several parables, illustrations about people being put in charge of things and, and waiting for the master to return. And he says that's the way the day of the Lord is going to be. One day we're going to be called to give an account. And he's going to separate He's going to separate those who have believed and trusted in him from those who have not. And if we begin to understand this, why would we not want to receive the forgiveness of Christ? But why would we not want to be ready so that on that day we'd have nothing to fear and everything to look forward to? By receiving not, not the reward of, of our labors, but, but the righteousness of Christ. In verses 19 through 21, he teaches that that day will be, it'll be a day of restoration. The Bible begins to describe all these places that probably uh, may not mean anything to you. They're foreign places and foreign peoples. But he says, those are the Negev shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. Here's what I want you to understand. He was naming places that were part of the promised land that had been overrun by foreigners and taken from Israel in the captivity. And what he was saying was, is that the land that I promise you is going to be restored to you. That's what he was saying. All these peoples, all these places, it's the promised land that had been taken over. And God says it's going to be restored. Now, here's what's so important that, about that for us. Uh, I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but, but God has a pattern of how he's worked all throughout history. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it in the teaching of Jesus. He has this pattern that God, I think, wants us to understand things. And so he, he takes things that are right in front of us that we can see in order to explain things to us that we, that we can't see. He takes everyday things that we can understand, like plants and animals, and he uses them as illustrations to help us understand spiritual heavenly things. So the promised land was never just about a piece of ground. The promised land given to Old Testament Israel. That, that land that was promised represents the promise that God has for all of us one day. That land that, remember, the Bible describes the land flowing with milk and honey. That, that description to those 
coming out of slavery in Egypt, to hear about a land flowing with milk and honey. What God was telling was is that the land was rich and had everything that they would ever need. God was promising them a place of peace and prosperity. They didn't always fully receive it because they didn't believe and trust in the Lord. But he made it available to them. The same is true for us. The Lord said to his disciples, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, when I've told you, then I'll come back and receive you. The Lord is preparing a place for us. There's a promised land for us. And when Obadiah says to the nation of Israel, he says, all these places that have been overtaken and taken from us, they're going to be restored. If we think about what Satan has taken from us, what sin has taken from us, it's all going to be restored on the day of the Lord. Our bodies will be restored. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we will know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The Apostle John says we haven't uh, learned everything about what our new body is going to be like, but we know we're going to be like him. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 42, he says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown In weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, so there is also a spiritual body. People ask the question, why why is there sickness in the world? The Bible answers that because of sin. It's like a cancer that's infected every area of us and robbed us of the life that God wanted to give us, the life that Adam and Eve had prior to to sinning against God. But God is going to restore this. He's going to restore it. Just as he told Obadiah, all these lands in the promised land, all these areas where foreigners are coming in and they've taken over, he says, on the day of the Lord, it's, it's all going to be restored. And God's promise is all going to be restored to us. Listen to Revelation 21. As John describes what's to come. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. For death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. The Bible describes our fellowship with God being renewed. He says the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them. Do you remember how the Bible described Adam? said he, he walked in the garden, and in the cool of the evening, he walked with God in the garden, face-to-face, unhindered fellowship, fellowship that's now affected by sin, but one day will be completely restored. As the Bible describes this time when he says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some things to pass away, aren't you? So we look around and we see all the problems that we have in the world that are caused by our sin, by others' sin. But the Bible says that on the day of the Lord, the former things will pass away. God spoke to the prophet Obadiah to encourage these people 
these people who had been victimized. Now, they were carried off into captivity because of their own sin. But Edom took advantage of them instead of helping them. And as they looked and they said, is there any justice in the world? Obadiah says, yes, there's justice because God is the Lord of all nations. And one day, everyone will give an account. And as believers, that doesn't need to terrify us, but it should give us a reverence and awe of God. It should also give us a hope to know that we have something grand to look forward to. A time when everything will be restored. Say, when's it going to happen? Only the Father knows. But it's near. And it's certain. So until it comes, let us live our life in such a way that as Jesus says, we're awake and we're ready. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you give us a hope in the midst of a dark and painful world. Lord, I pray for every person here that may be suffering injustice. Maybe they've been wronged by a spouse, a child, a neighbor, a co-worker. God, I pray that you give them a forgiving spirit. May they put their hope and their trust in you. Lord, we look with great anticipation toward that day. The day when every wrong will be made right. The day when we'll receive the reward for what Christ has done for us. Father, give us faith and help us to endure. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. When we begin to think about injustice in the world, it's, it's easy to criticize other people. But the reality is, is that all of us, all of us have, in one way or another, sinned against God. And the reason that some of us are going to go to heaven is not because we're better than anyone else. There's not a person on this planet that deserves to go to heaven. We'll go because of the mercy and grace of God. You see, God looked at us. He knew everything we'd ever do, and yet he loved us anyway. And he loved us so much that he sent his own son to die for us. So that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. So when we say that God's justice is perfect, it is. It is perfect. You see, either we'll pay for our sin or Christ will pay for our sin. But either way, it's paid for. And so if you come to the place in your life that you believe and trust in Christ, if you'll ask for forgiveness, you can be forgiven. And you can be given a new life and a new hope. So I want to invite you today, if you've never prayed, you never pray to God and ask for forgiveness if you'll pray that prayer in sincerity today and believe he'll answer that prayer and he'll forgive you for those of us that have been saved we need to live our life from now until he comes or from now until we go we need to live our life in light of that reality knowing one day we'll give an account for what we've done with what God gave us to manage, knowing that we'll one day give an account for how our professed faith in Christ affected how we loved other people. So I want to invite you today. 
you've never made a decision before, there's still time for you. Make your decision today. For those of us that have already been saved, would you just examine your heart and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? So on that day, I'm ready. Whatever decision you need to make, let's do it as we sing. You come forward if you need to. Let's stand together.